Chapter Thirteen of Olga Romanoff by George Griffith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: The Siren Stronghold. As soon as the first pitch battle in the World War was over, a lengthy and detailed report of the attack on Kurgelen and its repulse was drawn up by Allen, Captain Ernstein, and Admiral Forrest for presentation to the council to this report allen added a supplement which is here reproduced in his own words from what i know of the designs of olga romanoff and her advisers i am convinced that the defeats which have been inflicted upon them will merely have the effect of checking and not putting a stop to their operations against the peace and freedom of the world i have seen and heard enough during the last five years to feel satisfied that there exists a very widespread conspiracy the object of which is the restoration of the romanov dynasty in the person of olga the breaking up of the anglo-saxon federation and the inauguration of an era of personal despotism and popular slavery as far as we have been able to learn this conspiracy embraces practically all the descendants of those families who lost their rank official position or property during the reconstitution of russia after the fall of the romanovs these people have of course everything to gain and not much to lose by the destruction of the present order of things and olga has promised them no doubt quite sincerely that in the event of her triumph they shall be restored to all that their ancestors lost as a matter of fact the greater part of russia will be divided amongst them should she ever accomplish her designs the old order of things as it existed before the days of alexander the second is to be completely reinstated the lower orders of the people are to be reduced once more to serfdom and the trading classes to a condition very little better if they resist they are to be terrorized into submission by the airships and all who raise their voices for freedom are to be banished to siberia which is once more to be the prison land of the russian empire a large standing army is to be kept constantly on the war footing while the sea navy and the aerial fleet are to be kept up to such a strength as to be able to hold the rest of the continent in practical subjection in short olga aspires to nothing less than the throne of an empire which shall stretch from the yellow sea to the atlantic ocean i am afraid too that there can be no doubt but this conspiracy is not only flavoured but actually assisted by large numbers of people throughout the federation area in fact during the latter part of our stay at mount terror the stronghold was visited by men of all nations who of course came and went away in the submarine vessels and who openly promised to do everything they could to further what they called the cause of the new revolution in their own countries on the understanding that the old evils of capitalism and private ownership of land by which their ancestors had grown wealthy are to be restored this will i trust be enough to show you that the triumph of olga romanov means nothing less than the complete undoing of all the work that was done in the days of the terror we have proved so far that kerguelen and therefore area is impregnable to attack save by surprise 
which will now of course be impossible but on the other hand the force at the disposal of olga and her allies is still so strong that all our present resources will have to be kept constantly employed to protect ourselves and this leaves the world at the mercy of any power which can obtain the assistance of the russians aerial navy which still numbers twenty-seven vessels all equal to our best ships in addition to these they possess a submarine navy of at least forty vessels all of which are swifter and more powerful than ours with the exception of the narwhal i therefore suggest that the whole of the resources at the command of the council shall at once be devoted to the building of at least fifty airships of the ethereal type and the same number of submarine battleships like the narwhal complete plans of which i enclose until this additional force is at our command i think it would be useless to attempt the destruction of the russian stronghold in antarctica and until this is destroyed there can be no hope of peace this stronghold which i will now attempt to describe for the information of the council is one of the most marvellous places on earth it lies in and about mount terror and the perry mountains which run from it towards the pole behind the ice barrier of antarctica nearly ten years ago a russian explorer named kishinov reached the ice barrier and made the discoveries which have enabled the russian revolutionists to create their stronghold in addition to his ship he took with him three aerostats which were chiefly constructed during his voyage and also a small submarine vessel which he took out in sections and put together at sea he skirted the coast of victoria land and was stopped by the ice in latitude seventy eight degrees as all other antarctic explorers by sea have been since the voyage of sir james ross the season was a singularly fine and open one and two days after his arrival he inflated one of his aerostats and crossed the great barrier to make a thorough exploration of the unknown land kishinov was the first man not an aryan who had ever seen what there was on the other side of the antarctic ice wall but he discovered far more than our explorers did for while he was in the neighborhood of mount terror an earthquake accompanying a violent eruption of mount erebus made a huge fissure in the south side of mount terror after waiting three days to make sure that the earthquake had subsided he and two of his officers entered the crevice which they found to be over two hundred feet wide at the level of the land ice furnished with storage batteries and electric lights they penetrated into the interior of the mountain and found that it was pierced in all directions with great galleries and enormous chambers hollowed out by volcanic forces during the period of mount terror's activity four days were spent altogether in exploring this subterranean region the existence of which was kept a profound secret by kishinov and his officers not the least strange and as it has proved one of the most valuable portions of his discovery was the finding of a subterranean lake at the heart of mount terror the temperature of which was kept far above the freezing point by the heat which the interior of the mountain derived from the neighbouring fires of mount erebus finding the lake to be salt water he concluded that he must have some connection with the open sea 
and so the next day he and the same two officers entered the submarine boat and penetrated underneath the ice barrier after a search of five hours the searchlights of the boat revealed a huge tunnel leading southwest into the land that is to say direct for mount terror they followed this tunnel up for a distance of nearly five miles and then struck the end they now rose and finally found themselves floating on the surface of the lake in the interior of the mountain one of kishinev's officers a man named louis kemsky was a member of the russian revolutionary society whose existence only became known five years ago after the capture of the ethereal the heads of this society met and to them this man communicated the secret of mount terror kishnov and the other officers refused to join the revolutionists and were assassinated kemsky was at once taken on board the ethereal now renamed the revenge and guided her to the fissure leading into mount terror its outer portion was of course filled and covered with ice and snow but as soon as kemsky had found its position by his landmarks a couple of shells speedily reopened it and it was here that the revenge lay hidden while you were ransacking the world for her olga inherited from her grandfather the father of vladimir robinoff who was executed for disobeying the order of the council all the plans and directions necessary for the building both of airships and submarine vessels and as soon as this perfect stronghold and hiding place was discovered her accomplices in the conspiracy for the restoration of the russian monarchy at once devoted their fortunes to the supply of money and materials the revenge made one more voyage to russia and by travelling at full speed at a great elevation managed to make it unobserved the services of the cleverest engineers and most skilful craftsmen among the revolutionists were secured transports were chartered and sent out to antarctica loaded with materials on the shores of the subterranean lake the first squadron of submarine vessels was built and then began the system of ocean terrorism which soon paralyzed the trade of the world piracy was carried on with utter ruthlessness transports were sunk by the vessels and then plundered by divers of the treasure which they carried and which was employed to purchase new materials and to repay those who had furnished the funds alexis and myself were kept by olga as i said in my first letter under the influence of a drug which completely paralyzed our volitional power and were compelled to reveal all we knew concerning our own airships submarine vessels guns and explosives and in this manner was created and equipped the force which will be employed to dispute with us the empire of the world unless we are able to extirpate it utterly while the dispatch to the council was being drawn up the narwhal had been lying in the inner basin of christmas harbour renewing her store of motive power from the generating station ashore as soon as the engineer in charge reported that her power reservoirs were full and allen had delivered the dispatch for conveyance to area by airship alexis who had been apparently buried in a brown study for the last two hours or so asked allen to come with him into his private cabin and as soon as the two friends were alone together he said to him 
look here old man why your fellows have been drawing up that dispatch and talking about the impossibility of attacking the stronghold at mount terror i've been doing some thinking and i've come to the conclusion that as far as an undersea attack is concerned it isn't quite so hopeless as you've made out i should be only too delighted to hear you prove us wrong replied alan his eyes brightening at the prospect for he knew alexis too well not to be sure that he would not have spoken in this way unless he had pretty solid reasons for doing so say on my friend i'm all attention get out to sea then as fast as ever you can said alexis for there is not an hour to be lost if you adopt my plan and if you don't we can just come back very well said alan what is the course clear the islands and head away southward as hard as you can go replied alexis briefly the excitement of the battle in which he had played such a terrible part had left alan in just the frame of mind to listen to the project of a desperate adventure such as he instinctively knew was now in his friend's mind without hesitating further he went into the saloon summoned the crew of the narwhal and said to them alexis and i have decided upon an enterprise which will end either in very great injury to our enemies or our own destruction you have seen enough to-day to know that in the warfare we are engaged in there are only two choices victory or destruction we don't want to take anyone against his will to what may be certain death those who care to go ashore may do so not a man moved an athletic sailor named george cosmo who held the post of chief engineer saluted and said briefly we shall all go sir what are the orders get out of the harbour as fast as you can and as soon as you are clear of the island sink two fathoms steer a straight course due southeast and put her through the water as hard as she'll go replied alan cosmo saluted again and left the room with his comrades to execute the order now my friend said alan turning to alexis as soon as they were alone again what is your plan simply this replied alexis mount terror or at any rate the mouth of the submarine tunnel is in round numbers three thousand geographical miles from here our speed is thirty miles an hour faster than that of olga's squadron that means that even if they go back at once and at full speed we shall be there four or five hours before them they i think have had quite enough fighting for today, and i don't believe they'll attack the island again first because they know that they can't take our sea defences by surprise and second because they think the narwhal will remain on guard either they will go off on a raiding expedition somewhere else with the airships in which case we can't follow them for we don't know where they're going or they will return to mount terror at an easy speed of fifty or sixty miles an hour they will never dream that you and i will venture to attack the stronghold single-handed and therefore that is just what i propose to do that will be odds of about forty to one against the narwhal replied alan somewhat gravely unless we can destroy it completely before they get back but go on let's hear the rest i don't think you can propose anything too desperate for me now that i have really tasted the blood of the enemy well what i propose is not to destroy the stronghold 
simply because it would be impossible to do that by sea. I merely propose to get quietly into the tunnel. Go to that narrow part, about two miles from the entrance, fix a dozen torpedoes with time fuses up against the roof of the tunnel, and then clear out into the open water. When those twelve torpedoes go off, if they don't bring a few thousand tons of rock down into the tunnel and block it pretty securely, I'll grant I know very little about explosives. Good so far, very good, said Alan. I confess, I envy you that idea. What next? Well, after that, replied Alexis, you see, we shall have shut in the vessels that are inside and shut out those that are outside. The ones inside will be no use for some time, for it will take the divers a good many days to open the tunnel again, even if they ever do. As for those outside, we can lie in wait for them if they return, and trust to the narwhal's speed and strength to sink as many of them as we can, or else, if they don't put in an appearance, we can come home with the consciousness that we have done about all the damage in our power. Now what do you think? Alan was silent for a few moments, weighing the pros and cons of the desperate venture. For desperate it was, in spite of the incomparable speed and strength of the splendid vessel he commanded. It was easy enough, always supposing that it could be accomplished without interruption, but to be caught in the tunnel, as was quite possible, between a force inside and one outside, meant almost certain destruction. For if the narwhal was not rammed and sunk in a space too narrow for her to turn, she would be certain to be blown up by the torpedoes which would be launched against her. In the end, the very character of the desperate venture, combined with the magnitude of the injury it would do to the enemy, overcame the scruples of his prudence. He put his hand on Alexis's shoulder and gave him a gentle shake, said with a laugh, <laughs> bravo old philosopher you've done more with your thinking than we have with our talking and writing we'll do it if there isn't a square foot of the narwhal left when the business is over i knew you'd say that said alexis now let's have some dinner and go to sleep for we shall want it it was then very nearly midnight and the narwhal had cleared the islands and with her prow pointed direct for the northeastern extremity of Wilkes Land, was rushing, at full speed through the water, about twelve feet below the surface of the sea. For twenty hours she sped silently and swiftly, and unseen on her way, swept round the ice barrier that fences the northern promontory of Victoria Land, and into the bay dominated by the fiery crest of Mount Erebus. End of chapter 13